Warhammer fantasy news, hobby, lore, and more. Welcome to the War Games Orchard with Nathan and GJ. Embalmed and entombed, this is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show. My name's Nathan Stone, and I will be your host today. It's been a while, my friends. I'm glad to be back on. Wish I could be with you more, but school is taking just about all of the time and energy that I have. It's so lucky that GJ is here to take us through these lean months where you just might not be getting enough Nathan in your lives. And he would be here with me tonight, but unfortunately, he has fallen ill. I suspect clan pestilence or children. Tonight, we are going to be talking about some old world news, and I'm not even going to be grumpy about it. I'm not. I can't be grumpy about it. I would love to be, but this is actually positive progress that we're seeing, and it's so nice to see two updates to the old world in about a month, so that's really cool. But before we jump in, let's talk hobby. Everybody needs a hobby. A hobby is supposed to pass the time, not fill it. I did absolutely nothing, and it was everything that I thought it could be. I've had a weird hankering to paint yellows recently. Yellow kind of comes and goes for me. Sometimes I really, really like it. And other times I'm just like, "Uh, I don't know about this. It's a weird color. It's a hard color to paint evenly. It's like white in a lot of respects. But lately I've had a real hankering for it. And I have Desert Yellow, the color from Army Painter, in a rattle can, plus the actual paint itself. So I have a lot of this nice Desert Yellow. It was for a project that I started so long ago, I can't even tell you how long ago I started this project. And I never finished it, and I can not even really tell you what it was. It was either Space Marines or Imperial Guard... Something I was doing with this desert yellow, but it's a nice yellow. It really is. It's a bit of a mustard, maybe a little bit duller than that, but it's a really good base. So I've wanted to play with that recently, and uh, anytime I want to play with a color, usually I will take a Space Marine and slap that color on them and see how they look, and they're really good for that. This time I took a Chaos Space Marine and slapped some on there. I did a combination of that yellow and an orange, and it actually looked really cool, really unique. Sometimes I think the Games Workshop official schemes for the legions of Space Marines or the Chaos Space Marines warbands or anything at all, really, kind of pigeonholes us, right? We, we think of certain colors in regards to certain chapters or legions, And you can get this in Warhammer Fantasy as well, right? Things like Beastmen or Lizardmen that really can be any color under the sun. A lot of times we tend to go with the official Games Workshop schemes. And there's a reason. The Games Workshop schemes are always really nice and they're painted by painters who are better than most of us. So we want to kind of aspire to that. But sometimes it's good to remember that you can absolutely go nuts. So I think I'm going to explore yellows some more when I get the chance. Purple and yellow is a combination I'd really like to mess around with a little bit. Purple, I think I've said before on this show, is my absolute favorite color to paint with. 
there's just something about it that is really, really nice. As well as that minuscule amount of hobbying that I've done, I got to play a couple of games of one-page rules since the new year, and I'm happy to report that I am one and one <laughs> which is a really good record for me. I am playing a campaign of the fantasy skirmish with my father-in-law, usually whenever we go out and visit them. I have my undead, and that warband has grown pretty significantly, and he has his duchies of Vinci, which is kind of a steampunk human faction. Think about some of the factions in War Machine, and you'll have a pretty good idea of, of what they're about. And right now we have a campaign that is escalating each week. So win or lose, you get points to add to your warband. And right now, I am happy to say that I am in the lead. Six victory points to four victory points, which means I have won one more game than he has. It's still very, very close. I believe we're going to 10 victory points with this campaign. It's been lots and lots of fun. We've started adding in some of the random event rules, and those kind of spice things up as well. One of the things that I like about one-page rules is that you can very easily add in a lot of their supplemental and extra rules to the game, or strip it back if you want a faster, simpler experience. So we're really just kind of starting to play with some of those extra rules, and they're a lot of fun. That's about it for hobby. Now, let's talk Tomb Kings. What are we doing out here? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What are we talking about again? This conversation can serve no purpose. The main topic. Hold on to your butt. As I said at the start of this episode, I am really happy. I'm not grumpy. You won't see Grumpy Nathan tonight. And the reason why is that we have a new Old World Development Diary, and it came out, I believe, within about a month of the last one, which is incredible since our average time for these has been about one every six months, three months if we're lucky. So this is a big improvement. I hope it keeps up, and I hope it means that the Old World is coming sooner rather than later. Of course, we still have no concrete anything on the old world, but more news is better than no news, I guess. Now let's dive into this. It's all about the Tomb Kings. I wish GJ was here since he is our resident Tomb Kings expert, but you're going to have to make do with me tonight. And uh, this is quite a meaty dive compared to the last developer diary, which was a little bit of a nothing burger. This one has something that we haven't seen before, but we'll get to that in just a second. Let's take this article sequentially, as we like to do. So after the introduction, the first thing we get is a couple of Tomb King soldiers, some art here, nice painted, their portraits like we've seen so far, no backgrounds, which kind of bugs me, but they look pretty good. We have a, a regular skeleton, and then we have a tomb guard here. They look exactly how you think they would look. And then our article goes into telling us a little bit about the land of the dead. What they want us to get the gist of is that in this part of the timeline, Cetra's rule over 
the land of the dead isn't as ironclad as it would be. He's still kind of planning out his reconquest of the lands. And so there's going to be a lot of smaller kingdoms and that kind of thing that have more autonomy than they would under his rule. We get a nice little map here that shows us the key cities in the Land of the Dead, which we're all pretty familiar with. We're seeing all of the the major ones here. And uh, each of those cities has its own symbol, like we're used to. The article goes on to explain that Setra, in his lifetime, pushed the borders of the Nehekara until the realm stretched all the way up to what is the modern-day empire in Bretonia. However, after his death, the rulers that came after didn't have his skill or his vision, and the realm shrank and shrank over the centuries. When Setra was raised by Nagash's Great Awakening, he was a little bit upset at how bad things had gotten. He was not eternally youthful and young. He was a old cranky mummy, and that bothered him. The lich priests had basically failed him, and his empire had fallen literally into ruins. So this era sees Setra as quite an upset guy, and I think he's always quite an upset guy, but he's not as active as he would be, and he's not as in control as he would be by the time of the Warhammer era that we all know. In the next paragraph, we get into something that I find really interesting. I think it's the meat of the article, and I'm going to just read this verbatim for you, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. The question is, can you give us any clues about how a Tomb King's army will wage war upon the denizens of the old world? And the answer is, we've taken a great deal of care to make the undead work. It was vital that the rules presented a balanced game mechanics while evoking the frightening image of rank upon rank of skeleton warriors marching in unison, as chariots speed toward the enemy flanked by monstrous constructs animated by ancient magic of the mortuary cults. You will be able to wield the powers of a lich priest once more, commanding skeletal hordes to arise from their tombs and march upon the lands of the living. This is all just classic Tomb King stuff, right? Nothing there that would say that they play any differently or there's going to be anything weird or wonderful about them, aside from the fact that, you know, they're all mummies and stuff. But the word arise is bolded with a exclamation mark in the middle of the sentence. This is something brand new for us because this is going to be, I am 99.9% sure, an actual game mechanic. And this is the first actual game mechanic that we have seen for Warhammer the Old World. So congratulations, Tomb King players, for your little sneak peek. You've got more than anyone else does at this point, and odds were that that wasn't going to be the case. Arise could also be a Vampire Count's ability as well, because I'm sure they're going to make an appearance. But this is something that Games Workshop has not showed us before. A game mechanic, they don't describe it, but I think we can understand, right? We've been around the block a few times. 
we know how these things basically work. I would bet that Arise will be Tomb King specific instead of Tomb King and Vampire Counts. I think Vampire Counts will have their own different bespoke rule. But what this tells me, at least, is that we have active rule development going on. And I know what you're thinking. Of course, there's active rule development going on. This game has been in development for three plus years. And yeah, sure, I get you. But also to counter that, we haven't seen anything of substance from this dev team yet. This is the first thing that we have that we can say, aha, there's rules going on here. And that makes me happy. I hope it's a different flavor from the Vampire Counts one. That was always something I thought Tomb Kings and Vampire Counts did well was that dichotomy in how each subset of undead created their forces. And I think it's important to kind of keep them separated in that way because otherwise, despite one being kind of quote-unquote wet undead and the other one being dry undead, they might get a little bit too samey. So this is really exciting. I like this a whole lot. Now, after that reveal... We get a painting of a necropolis stalker. Those are the Tomb King snake constructy guys. He looks good. Again, just a portrait. Then we get one last question and one last paragraph here. And this is another one that I'm going to read out because I feel like it is the, the second patty in our uh, hamburger. If I can keep using that strange analogy for these articles. Here's the question. With Cetra's attention seemingly fixed upon foreign affairs, will we get much of a chance to explore the land of the dead itself? Answer. Our main focus is going to be on the role that Cetra and the Tomb Kings of Kemri played in the Old World, but there's nothing to stop us returning to the Nehekara in the future. There are plenty of instances of Tomb Kings waging war on one another while Cetra's attention was elsewhere, and that's before we even get started on raiders and invaders from far-off lands. Many have scoured the blistering deserts of Nehekara in search of ancient treasures, some hoping to stumble upon wealth beyond imagination, while others sought long-forgotten secrets or legendary artifacts worth far more than gold. So there's a lot of fluff in that paragraph. However, this tells me that for the races that are extra to the old world, so the, the ones that kind of are to the sides, Dark Elves, Tomb Kings, Lizardmen, Ogres, you, you know, you know the ones. <laughs> that their focus is going to be on those times when they have crossed paths with the nations of the old world. So we do have a game that seemingly does focus on the old world while including the factions outside of it. So I wasn't as wrong about my base assumptions all the way back in 2019, 2020, as I maybe thought I was more recently. I think that's a pretty good idea, though, to focus on the old world. And the old world was always the focus of most of the action. But if you focus on things like Dark Elves and Tomb Kings as these strange and terrifying raiders that approach the shores of the old world in their black arcs or their ships made of bone and uh, steel whole towns and things. I think it makes them 
a little bit more terrifying and scary and keep their rules, of course, because Dark Elf players and Tomb King players and Lizardman players want to play as their factions. But as a Dark Elf player, I can tell you, I know a lot about Dark Elves. I have read the Dark Elf books front to back a million times. I don't necessarily need a whole lot more lore for them. Give me a list and give me some cool scenarios in which my Dark Elves have come to Bretonia or the Empire or wherever to mess around, you know, have some fun. And I think you could do that with Tomb Kings as well in that they are somewhat away from the the main view of what we'll be doing with Warhammer the Old World. But you can still bring them out, play them, have fun with them, right? And feel like they belong instead of being shoehorned in. So this works for me, honestly. That being said, the second thing that this paragraph kind of tells me is that we might get campaign books based on some of the outlying regions. The Southlands, Lustria, Nagaroth, Darklands, whatever. Those outside of the main focus in time. I think that would be a really good way to do it because you could introduce special rules for playing in deserts or playing in tundra. You could really there give the Dark Elves, the Tomb Kings of the world, a place to shine in a campaign book like that, right? Add units if you want. Do whatever. That really works for me. I think that could be a a good way to branch out the old world, give it a little bit more options than always playing in fantasy Europe. That sounds really good to me. I'm sure it's not the kind of thing we would see for years and years, but as something for my grandkids to play, absolutely sounds great. One of the things that immediately jumped to mind when I read this article was Tomb Kings raiding the coast of Bretonia. Classic, classic matchup there. I would love to see that. I would love to see that in a campaign or as a scenario, that kind of thing. And maybe, just maybe, as a box set. Tomb Kings, Bretonia box set. What a world we would live in. What a world. (laughs) Now, I have been thinking about the starter set a lot recently. Mostly because it's a nice diversion from thinking about actual important things. But also because there's just so many options at this point. Right? Do you go two new factions? One new faction, one existing faction? Or do you take my original idea? So now that that they've kind of let the cat out of the bag that this is an old world focused game, despite having factions from outside of the old world, Dual Empire Starter Box from two of the claimants. That would be where I think we start this game. That's going to be my betting favorite until someone proves me otherwise. And the reason for that is pretty simple. You can do it as a two-player starter box where you both get one half of the Empire Army. You can do it as a single box where you're not looking to sell the other half like you would be sometimes. You just get double the Empire stuff, which is great. Great, super fun. (laughs) I really do think that's where we are headed for a starter box. And it would mirror something that Forge World already knows quite well, which is the Horus Heresy. 
those boxes always do quite well because, yes, they can be two-player starter boxes, but I think most people buy them for themselves and use all of the pieces to create a much larger army, something that gets you started right out of the gate. Instead of only having three, four, five hundred points, you've got closer to a thousand points. You can play some meaningful games, or I shouldn't say meaningful games. Small games are great. But you can play games like you see on battle reports, that kind of thing, right? Those, those larger games that people really get into. So that's awesome. I'm really happy, guys. I got to tell you, this doesn't happen very much when I'm reading Warhammer Community articles, but this is a good start. And if they keep doing these dev diaries, we will keep covering them here. Only if they are something of value, though. If they're going to be putting them out every few weeks, I don't think we need episodes wholly devoted to them unless they're big reveals or there's something new that we want to talk about. But I did want to just have a, a quick chat with you guys tonight about it because this is positive in terms of development for the game. Heck, we could see it maybe this year or next year. Hopefully not longer than that. <laughs> because I, I feel weird about feeling so good about this article, I am going to complain about something just to palate cleanse a little bit. And that is this art. I, I like this art. It's good art that they have in this article. It's it's very, you know, detailed, nice, nicely painted and everything. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's so static, right? They're, these portraits, there's no backgrounds. There's no scenes, right? I love battle scenes. Give me big battle scenes or, or just give me some backgrounds, right? Draw some desert hills in the background or some ruins or a pyramid or something. Everything we're seeing for this game is just these these single portraits. And uh, I'm really reaching for something to complain about, obviously. But I, I would like that. I would like a little bit more uh, dynamic art, perhaps, would be fun. Either way, this has been a fun little look at the latest Warhammer Community article. I hope you guys have enjoyed this one. Just a short little chat. I hope I'll be back on the show soon. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram or email us at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard. Know ye now the time of mortals has come to an end.